welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Oh. Thank yeah, thank you. I didn't know you all were here. Thank you for coming. So many issues with this microphone. Like he's I know. never been on air before. I know. Does this? If I talk into this, people can then hear. Yes. That's how this it all is, works. It's magic. This is amazing. You know, technology today. <laughs> Truly. What's this? You can't get one that story of my life. I can't keep it up. Oh. Hey, hey, Hello. Oh. Testing one two. It's the family show, Jerry. Yes, and well, hello to all the families here. <laughs> Wanted to ask you something, uh, Jerry. Yes, Gene. Uh, we have a uh, one of the fans of the show. He's part of the Folk School Coffee Parlor family. Yes. Is a guy who goes by the nickname Peach, and he is was a, and is a staunch yes. Trump supporter. Yeah. Yes. Is he still and getting... Uh, Counseling? He, he is, and he's and he's but he puts here himself tonight. Here all the time, and, so you can't right. feel, you know. I come know. on. So uh, I join him, and as you know, I'm uh, have applied for a position in the Trump administration through the transition you team. Blah was. blah 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 blah. So it's, but anyway, uh, like he chair. brought tonight. And I want to yeah. hold this up so the people on Facebook Live yeah. can see this. But it is a. Trump, Pence, Make America Great Again. That you had framed. Uh, framed poster. Peach. And this is going to be auctioned off in a white elephant auction fundraiser on Friday night. And so what we want to ask you to do, I'm going to put this in front of you, and I'll describe it as you're doing it. I'm going to hand you this Sharpie. Would I? And I want you to say something and write something maybe up here in the white section so it can be read, and then sign it. And I think it should be something taunting. I think you (laughs) should. And I'll make a suggestion, but you can write whatever you want. So it says here, Trump, Pence, make America great again, and I'll write, by resigning. Oh! The audience likes that. So write it large, by resigning. And then I want you to sign it, uh, Jerry Springer. Come after me, what, you crazy? No, 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 you've got to sign it. I thought it was make Russia great again. Yeah, the other, oh. the, yeah, the yeah. other proposed one was make Russia <laughs> yeah, great again. That would be yeah. a good one. Uh, so Jerry Springer's writing by know. resigning. He's having trouble spelling he's it. He's having Megan. a little trouble <laughs> with the resigning. <laughs> right. I, I did. I called. Actually, after, I should yeah. tell you, I called him yesterday, and I just you called Donald Trump. Donald yeah. Trump, and just mm-hmm. kind of joking around, right. I started yeah. to speak some Russian. Yes. And uh, so, because I speak a little bit of Russian, I said, you know, garage uh, garage key, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a yeah, key this, that opens a garage. This yeah. is going nowhere fast. <laughs> hey, in a big hurry. Uh, put the G there. He's still, he's still. <laughs> he's laughing. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's our technical it's producer who thinks that's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then sign somewhere here, Jerry Springer, so it has value. Yeah, some value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And go. we're going to pass this back over there you go, uh, Peach. to Peach. And we're going to ask, I'm going to ask David Pruce. He told me as I walked in here that we did get another call. Oh, we got another call from, from Melania Trump. 
By the way, she specifically has said, do not play these on the podcast. Sure well, then has. why She has said that, right, she Megan? She sure has, and we have blatantly ignored it. At your, at your order. At my order. Yep. 100%. Please play it, David. Sure. Hello, Jerry. I wanted you to be the very first to know that as the first lady, I am going to become the champion of all the American women who have had such famous men try and grab them. You know, down there. Such behavior will not be tolerated in our country if I am living in the big white house, which I might move into maybe this summer or, I don't know, maybe by Christmas of 2018. (laughs) I don't know yet for sure. It is such a small, old house. And does it even have an escalator? I I look so good coming down the gold escalator. (laughs) Don't you think? (laughs) Anyway, Jerry, thank you for being you and for always doing your television show for 25 years. If we could bring the values of the Jerry Springer TV show to all American homes, we would really be a great country again. Child Jerry. (laughs) She's a little warped. Melania Trump, yeah, I mean, I... Well, you apparently I did. That's why he won. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure, you were successful. <laughs> I, I am so sorry. Wow. You That's, do owe an apology. I owe an apology to the American people. You certainly do. No time gotten, like the present, Jer. We get emails. We get, wow. You don't, oh. We don't want to see thousands of emails. And I pull <laughs> out occasionally a couple. you because we have it. <laughs> no, we do. Uh, so here's a few. So we got, because I tell these people, you know, yeah. it might get read on the air. So here's Jason from Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, oh this is interesting. It yes. says, I get it. Jerry does the same hearing aid joke every show. Of course, that's not funny. And then he's got that dot, dot, dot. You know Ellipsis. how you do in writing? Yes. <laughs> it says, until it goes around the bend from absurd and becomes effing hilarious. No. Right on Jerry. No. no. The fact that you do it and do it and do it, he says, is what makes it well, funny. Well, so does, and I'll tell you who else thinks it's funny. The fellow gentleman, the older gentleman back there. I'm really? Oh, yeah, I see him. Really? I am going to Yeah. And he, no, and, and as I'm walking in, he says, Jerry, this is the finest hearing aid money can buy. I said, yeah, Mm-mm. what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You're learning. Yay! If you don't that record it with the applause, we won't say it again. Did you have a practice session of not <laughs> yeah. even making a sound? We have Was groups like, that meet here on Wednesday to practice for the following Tuesday at not laughing at your jokes. Uh, all right, this is uh, Sarah from Orlando. Yes. Count. Oh, this is interesting, Megan. It says, count me Ruff among Ruff. those who feel teasing guys to date Megan on your website when she's engaged is what? immoral. Oh. <laughs> Fix your values, Springer team. Wow. Whoa. Well, I mean, there's a lot of truth But you're to that. Not, engaged. I'm not engaged. No, I'm not no, engaged. No, she told us last week like this relationship is just blooming. I told you last week that we are still talking. Talking. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For Megan, that's a relationship. It's true. <laughs> There's a lot way, of truth to that, too. Sorry. And by the <laughs> way, dead seriously, because yes. sometimes I goof around. Oh, dead some seriously. Again. Yeah. <laughs> we got another entrant to Would You Like to Date Megan oh, contest. Really? We absolutely did. Awesome. Awesome. Now, let me tell you how this went. What? We get this thing. Did you do your your, your I vet all vetting? of them. Yes. I vet well, all of them. I'm supposed to be part of the vetting. So well, good at it. I, I think I you took care of it. Well, first of all, 
It's a woman. I'm just going to say it. It's a woman. Okay. And, and you have said. Oh, go for it. You have, no. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll pay for the Come date. On, Jerry. I'll pay. I'm straight, I'll pay for the I'm date. straight. She Please said. Megan, well, you can go straight. <laughs> Megan has said, I house. am I don't not. Know. Thank you. You've been very polite about it. But you said, thank you. Uh, but I, I'm <laughs> not you, interested. <laughs> so I vetted this woman. I uh -huh. looked her up. Oh, I bet you did. And it's sort of a, uh, not anybody who's known, I'm certainly not going to name her or give anything that tracks back to her, but she's like a significant person in the, in the, a professional field. Oh yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And so I sent a message saying, call me and I haven't heard back. And I'm wondering if somebody, because this could happen, somebody goes in, types in someone else's information and sends it. We don't. What, we're somebody not. could have been hacked and somebody. they sent it to well, the Russians did it. <laughs> to me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I were mad at somebody, that'd be a good way. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get Please. you involved with Jerry Springer. Yeah, there you go. All right, here's okay. the one. That's great. I mean, I just, oh, I, is that just, a bad thing? I hate you. Yeah, let's try it out. Here's the last You're email. So this is enlightened in some ways. And then this crap comes <laughs> out of your mouth. It's Megan, like... give me five up high on that. Way. <laughs> it's, right, yeah. it's just it's locker room. It's locker room yeah, talk. <laughs> It's just, I can't believe you're the same man in the same head. It's oh. crazy. So this is, uh, Tyrone <laughs> sent this email from Los Angeles. It yeah. says, if Gene Galvin gets the job he's vying for in the Trump administration, will he still be on the podcast? <laughs> and that's a fair question. <laughs> First of all, let's be very clear. Gene Galvin won't get any role that he's applying for ever. I don't oh, really? <laughs> Why? Oh, really, Megan? Why then am I talking right now, as of today... Uh, with the Trump administration <laughs> about future administration, about to... a very specific job. Uh -huh. So if I have no chance, why am it's not a vague thing about apply for a job. I'm talking about a job. What's this job, Gene? Tell me specifically what Boxing you're talking about. Boxing commissioner. <laughs> no. No, it is uh, when he does rallies and stuff because he loves them, he's going to continue to do them. There's always a rope line. Uh -huh. The job I'm buying for is the person who puts up the rope line and takes it down when he's done. So you're That's a roadie. You're a Trump roadie is what you're applying Are you for. among the finalists for that job? I have no idea. <laughs> Not no a idea. chance. There's no but chance. I, I guess they call it the rope line guy. I don't yeah. know. But that's Gene what I'm Galvin, Trump yeah. roadie. R-O-G. Yeah. I'm the ropey. Wow. Uh, Aim high there, Mr. Galvin. Well, I'm just telling you. I mean, you said there's no job. I'm talking specifically. By the way, Catfish, the owner of the Folk School Coffee Parlor, yeah, yeah. was sworn in last week yeah. for the Ludlow that City Council. Where is he? Where is he? I don't know where Back he is. There. And I was there. Is that when what you happened? Really? I was. Is that oh, what that's you? Cool. Is that what you wore? Can we turn the camera around? He he did. He you had were dressed up. He was dressed he was up. Dressed up. He had a top coat. Yeah, 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 not like a homeless yeah top coat. coat homeless he coat. Yeah, top coat. He was uh, wearing a tie, uh, dress shirt, the whole deal. Well, was good for you. Very up, impressive. Huh? What what uh, <laughs> advice would you give Catfish since you were on city council in Cincinnati for years, and that's just across the river from where we are? What advice would you give him as a new council member? Same advice I gave to Trump. Resign. <laughs> no. Do us all a favor, for God's sake. Come oh. on. No. Yeah. Yeah, I was the big contributor. So, um, add, uh, you know what? At, at the city council level, service, service, service. We handed out, remember we had a, uh, 
one page. Called a service directory. A service directory, uh, two sides of one, and good paper, in other words, cardboard, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And good. this could be done digitally today, but tell, yeah. but it was stuff. Where it was ed- every possible service that the city provides with the phone number to call. Anything from a dead animal to my pipes to the tra- traffic light isn't working, whatever it is. I mean, literally several hundred services. And we just handed it out li- thousands and thousands to everybody in the city. And your name, seriously, prominently yeah. at the top. So yeah, so it had political benefit had as political well, benefit. obviously. But it, it really was a service that nowadays, you know, people just go. But I, I think that's a, that's a good idea to do that. People will reach for it right away for Ludlow. And the and, second thing you did was the uh, Mobile City Hall. Yeah. When, every, and it wasn't when you were mayor. It was just that you took around town in a camper van, right? People right. would come in and talk to the council member. Same stuff. Help one me night a something. week, one night a week, whatever, Thursday night. Uh, we would go to a different neighborhood and we'd announce it ahead of time and park there for three hours and people could come in with whatever their problems were. So what I'm saying is at this level of government, it's not about great speeches and you know visions. It's provide service, provide service, provide service. Because this is where it's the most important level of government other than obviously nuclear war at the national level. But really, because this is, this is the level of government that provides services. Every problem that cities have, you know, the cities are the receptacle for all our nation's domestic problems because the cities are where oftentimes people of low income live, where they have the greatest need, and then now you have the artistic community coming as well. So you've got all kinds of issues and this is the level of service. This is the entity which delivers that service. You're in state government. You're governor. That's great. You can, you know, but you're not touching people's lives every day. Like you believe me, when the snow doesn't get cleared, they're calling you. If the streets are flooding, they're calling you. And that's it's so think service, think service as if you're, you know, you're really their attorney or whatever, not to file suit, mm-hmm. but to provide a service. All right, if you have any concerns about anything, anything you need done, call Matt Catfish Williams, city council member in Ludlow, Kentucky. Doesn't matter where you live if you're hearing us, because we have listeners in England. Call Matt Catfish Williams. Yeah, right. And he will... Really, if you're uh, just having yeah. a bad day, you can give him a call. If, if, there is, if you're just having a bad day, yeah, if a bad give him a call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he's a nice you guy. Need He'll a talk date. you down. No, I mean, he's married, but he Mary might know mind. somebody. Go on a date. Yeah. <laughs> he knows somebody, you know. Is that possum still? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah go get him. Right. Hey, Jerry. Yes, Gene? Let me ask Gene? you a, a serious question. Oh, the, in the impending Trump administration, uh, there have been some studies done about Trump supporters. And you have properly stated in the past, because it is a fact, most of America wanted Hillary Clinton by two and a half million, maybe going up to three million votes before, by the time they count them all, which is a solid two percentage points. And as you pointed out in the past, that makes the polls correct. The polls were wrong about 
whether individual in states, yeah. individual states and in the electoral college. But for the country uh, at large, the polls said about 3%, and she's going to wind up pretty close to 3%. It's now up to 2.8 million, um, and it keeps growing every day. So, you know, by the time people actually hear this podcast, it may be over 3 million, which is 25 times larger victory than John Kennedy had over Richard Nixon. 25 times larger margin uh, of victory. So the only point of saying that is let's not get carried away. You know, Trump is the president, at least right now. And but that's not to say that America stood up and said, let's have Donald Trump. A lot of people did, but not most of them. And I, I think that's important. You know, when people start saying, oh, my gosh, is this what America really is? And et cetera. So. I believe right now, now, understand, I'm a partisan, and I'm liberal, so you have to weigh that with everything I always say. But I believe right now, history books, unless something happens in the, that we don't you know, yet know, of course, but I think history books will look back at this, and there will be an asterisk next to his presidency, not just because it's, at least in 150 years, the largest, the largest vote that a, the losing candidate, that the, the president actually lost by. So that'll be one reason that kids will remember this. But what I heard today when they were talking about having, for example, the investigation in the Senate on the Russians, and the Trump campaign was saying they're just trying to illegitimize his election. And if it was illegitimate, let's find out. I mean, if it were honestly won, end of story. But that's what we still have to find out. The argument to raise the issue about whether even the number of votes he got, it wasn't more than Hillary's, not by a lot, but he did get a lot of votes. And those votes really raise into question, how did he get those votes? Clearly, some of the people just love him, believe everything he says, whatever, that's who they want. Or they're diehard Republicans, and, you know, unless you're currently in prison, if you're a Republican, they're going to vote for you. And by the way, there are people that are Democrats that are the same way. They'll always vote Democrat no matter what the case is. But there's more than that. There were, this isn't just sour grapes, there were significant issues which would affect at least 1% of the vote in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Understand, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, Trump won by about 1%, sometimes a little less. So anything that would change that 1% would have made Hillary the president. Now, what factors were at play? The first is the phenomenon of what we're all hearing about now, fake news. Now, what you often hear from conservatives and the right wing is, oh, the, the liberal mainstream media. Let's take a look at how liberal that really is. I mean, with Fox News, which is clearly the number one cable news, 
and talk radio, uh, and certainly the attention, which is now again criticized, that CNN gave to Trump in the very beginning, literally taking one candidate out of the 16 Republicans and covering entire speeches, breaking, canceling regular programs to do that. It's pretty hard to argue that the mainstream media, you know, didn't give Trump that great boost. And it's hard to argue that they're very liberal when you consider Fox News, talk radio, which is almost exclusively right wing. And then you add what CNN did. Admittedly, MSNBC is liberal. Got it. But all the others. So that's number one. But let's think about the media to begin with. First of all, newspapers, which admittedly are fading out in terms of importance. Newspapers have always been biased. They, it, the election of 1800, Jefferson bought one newspaper, Adams bought another, and they ripped each other apart. Uh, the Spanish-American War, the Hearst Papers, drilled for America to get into that war. But newspapers being partisan didn't much matter in American history because most cities had more than one newspaper. Even here in Cincinnati, you had the Inquirer, very Republican, the Cincinnati Post, which was much more liberal or Democrat. In New York, yeah, you got the New York Times, but you also have, of course, the New York Post. New York had five to seven newspapers when I was a kid. So there were always lots of newspapers. So the fact that they were biased didn't much matter because you could always find a newspaper that articulated your point of view. In the 1950s, television came along. And television started with, once television decided to cover the news, which really started with the assassination of John Kennedy, there were only three networks. And in the beginning, only two had news. ABC didn't yet have a full news department. They had World News Roundup, where they ran newsreels. But starting in about 63, you had major news. Now, because there were only three networks, you had, they had to make sure that the networks were objective as much as possible. So we grew up, of my generation, our generation, Gene, we grew up with Walter Cronkite, for example, ending every newscast with, that's the way it is, December 9th, 1900 and whatever. And we grew up believing that, that whatever Walter Cronkite said, that was the, that's the way it is. But of course, that wasn't the way it was. Because news is honest, it just doesn't always tell the truth. Now, what I mean by that, it's honest that it doesn't go out of its way to lie. In other words, Walter Cronkite or Huntley and Brinkley, whoever the anchors were, Dan Rather, Brokaw, they don't say that the president said one thing when in fact they know he said something else. In other words, they don't lie. The reason they don't tell the truth is because who knows what the truth is? What they report on is what one reporter and one photographer at one moment of time, at one location, what they happen to see. It's like, you know, different blind people looking at it, touching an elephant and describing it. So we never know that what the reporter is reporting, even if the reporter is honest, is God's truth. We just don't know that. But still, we could go to sleep at night knowing that these news anchors 
we're doing the best jobs to state one set of facts, and then we could draw our opinions from it. Then came cable news, and that's when it all started to fall apart. And cable news, because it couldn't be run by the FCC, because it's not the airwaves, cable news could be as partisan as newspapers were. And Roger Ailes, the genius that he is, decided, why not, instead of trying to be objective, let's try to sell news to a particular demographic, give them what they want. So he created a network which would give the right wing exactly what it wanted. And to taunt the left, he would come up with that slogan, uh, fair and balanced, knowing full well you know, that he was purposely not doing that. And then MSMEC came the other way and said, let's do liberal. So now we've got that, and then we have social media, and now there is not just one place to get the facts. So, the, so you start out with the bias of regular media, even if it's not mainstream, just the bias that they now buy into. And we all shop for the news we want to hear. And I admit, oftentimes I'm in no mood to hear something contrary. It's been a long day. I just want to watch MSNBC and at least have someone who agrees with me. So we all fall into that at times. It's not like every single night I'm watching Fox and MSNBC and uh, CNN exactly the same amount of time. This is what is new this time. We've now gone to something else called fake news, where there are websites and entities that are now making up the news on purpose. I mean, they're not even, they know what they're doing and they're selling it. In fact, they were interviewed on television a few days ago. The guy gets paid for making up these stories. It is fake news. It's not, they won't argue with you that it's real. They say, no, it's fake news. We sell it like you sell comic books. They sell fake news. And they've sold horrific stories other than just fake stories. They sold the story you heard of uh, that Hillary Clinton was running a child pornography uh, business in the back room of a pizza place in Washington, D.C. Some guy, and it had a wide audience. People started believing it. A guy showed up with a semi-automatic and started blowing holes in the place. Luckily, no one was killed. Fake news. So let's get back to the Trump thing. People are listening to this and making a political judgment on this. And that's why when you talk about the legitimacy of his presidency, if people are voting on incorrect information, maybe they didn't even start out as partisans. They're just, hey, yeah, I heard about this guy running for Trump for president. What's he running against, Hillary? Yeah, I haven't voted before, but let me read something on him. And they go to that website or they read that story. Now, how do I know that had worked? A poll came out this past week, which would be, as you listen to this, the first week in December. They just polled Trump voters. A national poll of Trump voters. For example, and this is fake stories, 40% of Trump voters believe the stock market has gone down since the day that 
Barack Obama became president. The truth, as you know it, is, if you saw this morning or this afternoon, the close, it's tripled. The stock market is three times as high, 6,000 to almost 20,000 now. 40% of Trump voters believe the economy's in such bad shape that the market is lower than when Barack Obama became president. Unemployment. Unemployment, when Barack Obama took office, was 7.8%. It is now today 4.6%. Almost cut in half. 67% of the people who voted for Trump believe that unemployment is higher now than it was when Bush left office. 40% of the people who voted for Trump think that he won the popular vote. 60% of the people who voted for Trump believe that three and a half million illegal uh, immigrants cast ballots. Three and a half million illegal immigrant votes in this past election. 60% of Trump voters believe that. 73% of Trump voters believe that George Soros paid the protesters at the Trump rallies. Now, the point of this is, we now know how many people who voted for Trump actually had a reality that is off the planet. It's not like they're bad people. It's they have gotten misinformation. This isn't like a different point of view. It isn't like, well, they're conservative rather than liberal. It's that they literally have information that is absolutely the opposite of what happened. So how did this not have effect of their votes? So when you only had to change 1% of the vote, in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, and you had 60% of Trump voters being totally misinformed from Hillary issues to economy issues, how can you say he legitimately got those votes, even if he didn't do it? Just that the American people didn't know, a group of them didn't know what they were voting for. That's why there's an asterisk next to his name. Because it wasn't someone who was elected based on proper information having nothing to do with political philosophy. One more thing. I haven't even gotten to the issue of his lies and people believing that. Remember when he said he's going to drain the swamp? Do I need to say that his cabinet picks? Remember he was attacking Hillary for being too close to Wall Street? What, four, five of his top cabinet picks are from Goldman Sachs? Virtually every one of his cabinet picks, except for Ben Carson, is a billionaire at least? 
that he said, I'm for you to fight for the little guy. And he comes through with a tax plan, which basically only gives people like me a tax break. And he's going to, we have to make cuts in Medicaid, Medicare, got to change that. I'm sorry. This was not an election where there was one set of facts, and now let's decide who you want to vote for based on this is the reality. Where do you want to go from here? Because the here is totally a disconnect. We have to think about that over these next four years. This is not a person elected that reflects the views of the, most of the American people. There's a significant part of the American people who apparently, and I'm not guessing at this, there's the evidence, they were misinformed. We're paying the price for that. You know, we added to our website a slogan that says, your banner during the Trump storm. And one of the things I think we should do regularly is what you just did tonight, which is continue to remind people basically the truth. There is no mandate. There is no, there is no, he, he gets to govern and, and, and by the way, he has an opportunity for greatness. If he ever would recognize that he is governing a very divided country, in fact, he would get, his approval rating would be off the chart if he said, I didn't even win the votes of the majority of the voters. However, now I'm going to try to govern that respects that and finds common ground. If he, if he, found, yeah. if he said some stuff like that, he would be his ego a skyrocket. It won't let his him. His ego won't let him. All so, he has to be is humble right. and say, I realize That's I didn't get most of the votes. And now I'm going to try to do this. Under, so that right. I'm That I get it. I see what happened. I know the numbers. And the fact that he won't do that, I say, uh, screw him. Then we're going to be the reminders throughout this, uh, at least occasionally, if not often, of uh, those kinds of facts which you brought forward. That was, I think, a PPP poll, which yes. is a reputable yes. Yes. poll that ran all through the uh, election, et cetera. Uh, let's give a round of applause to Dylan Walsh, who just sat down. Oh, hey, Dylan. Let me tell you a couple things about Dylan. We're going to ask him to do a song. He's from Dublin, Ireland, and also now lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, records on the Muddy Roots label. And as soon as you hear that, whenever you hear that, Dylan, you know this, this man or woman is legit because that's a significant label in this modern world with Roots music. I know you would say that too. It's a great label to be on, right? Well, I respect all the artists that are on there fully, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. As well, you know? Uh, Where'd you get that accent? <laughs> Chicago. I like his guitar. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, there are a lot of Irish people in Chicago. You're right. Uh, or Cincinnati, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And Dylan's first song is called At Sea, written by Dylan Walsh. Do it for yes, us. Yes, this is a conversation between a father and a son. You were talking a lot about uh, how politics and things were different than society in the past. Nice. This would be a generational kind of uh, conversation between the father and the son in that respect. Okay. Not the being at sea, it's the shore you want to watch out for. True, every frontier, 
Crusaders pour What if we drift too far and what if we're too late That's gonna depend on what you're hoping to see And the sea rises and the sun it sets There are no compromises Let us not forget There's no use in saying that's the way it is And the way it'll always be Nobody believes in that anymore I guess I got it in my gut that We could still do more You know what the wars are for You know the money they make Let's give them something to think about Before we let them take And the sea arises and the sun it sets There are no compromises Let us not forget There's no use in saying that's the way it is And the way it'll always be Have you figured out What we're out here for? We're not helping anymore yeah. nice. Bravo. That's Dylan Walsh and by the way uh, you you can uh, you have an album out called Live from the Soul Hell Cafe. That's a great, Whoa. or it's, mm -hmm. it, yeah. it's due out in the uh, soon, or is it out now? Well, that was a gig that we. Were, it's actually a name of a venue in Germany. Okay. And, uh, the engineer forwarded us the recording, and we put it onto a CD. But I'm due to release my first studio album next year, which I'll be recording this winter. Okay, and you you hail from Dublin, Ireland, correct? Yep. That's yep. Right. Great That's city. A, yeah, it's great a great city. city. Yep. Down the southeast coast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have family from uh, Dungarvan, which oh, is near Waterford, yeah. Waterford County, not too far from there. So it's a very pretty uh, part of Ireland. And in fact, uh, if I could, real fast, it makes no. me think of my brother. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dylan. I'm here for you. I'm here. For thank you, you Dylan. Oh, I, have, Dylan. I have a brother, Jerry and Jim, <laughs> and so they're smart. our family's very bright family in America. <laughs> And when they were little children, and Megan, this is how I knew it, I because when they were small children, <laughs> Dylan, my brother Jerry went to the pharmacy. I don't know if that's what you call it in Ireland, the pharmacy. The, 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 the chemist. The chemist. Yes. And he went to the chemist, and he said, what he say? Uh, I would Jerry. like to buy a box of sanitary napkins. I don't know what else to call them, Megan, but sanitary napkins. This is, this is awesome. And, my, <laughs> and the chemist said, are they for your mom? 
And he said, actually, they're not. And he said, well, are they for your sister? And he said, no, they're not for my sister. And he says, well, I need to ask, who are these for? And he says, they're for my brother Jim, because my brother Jim saw an ad on television that says that you can swim and bike if you wear these. And he can't do either one. He's going to wear them and see if he can <laughs> swim and bike. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, no. Hey, Internet privileges do, revoked. That's yeah. it. No more that, looking up jokes for that, what, what, what part you in Nashville? The, what part of his song made you what think you, of that? I know. How did you get there? What, what, was there a particular line it was, in it? it was when you Irish have the scourge of, cre of creativity that I have, things are just you flying, have the flying, flying. Is what you got. I got and you things, can get shots for that. Trigger. You should go to the chemist and get shots yeah. for your scourge. What took you to, what took you to Nashville from I, Dublin? I'm glad I inspired you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't encourage him. Don't um, encourage him. Belgium, three years ago, I went, went to a festival. I wasn't booked at it, but I brought the guitar, and one of the acts pulled out, and uh, I replaced them. And it turned out that the crowd were from Nashville, called Muddy Roots. Mm. And they invited me over to Folk Alliance three years ago wow. in Kansas City. Wow. And ever since then, I've kind of been coming backwards and forwards. Nice. And I finally moved here in February. <laughs> Well, we're real glad you came this way on your tour, and uh, I know you performed before the podcast start, started tonight. You had yeah, a yeah, session going on outside. here at the Folk School Coffee Parlor, and I always like to give shout-outs for them. If you're a touring artist, you've got to come here. You've got to put the Folk School Coffee Parlor on your list in Ludlow, Kentucky. It's I walked place. in on your act. Sure <laughs> no, did. really, I hope... I, I open the door and people are clapping. I say, isn't that nice? And I'm waving. And you had just finished the song. They were you clapping stole the around. <laughs> like an idiot, I think they're going, Just Aw. assume they were all there for you. You stole the limelight. Mm -hmm. You took the pressure off me. Yeah. <laughs> you have a second song called uh, Where Dublin Meets Wicklow, correct? Yep. Would you do it? I will indeed. This is Dylan Walsh. talking about where I'm from. This is where I'm from. Okay. Pocketing rocks and washed up sea clouds. Said you were taking them back to Maryland. Back home to your dad. A Connemara ring on your hand. Brown Tennessee boots in the Wicklow sand. I was thinking that the coast never seems to change Walking the beach to the sound of the trains The sea and the rain Of all the times I left from Dublin Bay To the Dargle, to Delgany, 
From the rivers and the mountains down to the sea The quiet workhouse cemetery Between the wrapped down By the main road the old village lay scattered around Not even sure why they call my home a town You can hear him on Muddy Roots Records. And uh, Dylan, would you take us out on Good Night, Irene? Myself. And Jerry Springer from New York City will do the second verse with you if you like. Well, I tell you what, this will be a <laughs> career maker for you. <laughs> well, a big fan of that, Billy, yeah? yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan Walsh. Last Saturday night, we got married. Me and my wife, we settled down Now that we have parted I'm gonna take another look around town You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song And to you for listening Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. In the country, and sometimes I live in town. Sometimes I take a great notion to jump in the river and drown.